1: Hello, TSF family, and welcome to this special Between the Seasons bonus, our Halloween special on hauntings. Enjoy! Virtual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game with Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. <laughs> Hello
0: Anna. Hello Christina. Happy Halloween. Happy
1: Halloween. I'm really excited we're doing this episode because it's between the seasons, and I didn't want to miss out. I didn't want our listeners to miss out on our Halloween stories.
0: FOMO with a silent H, fear of missing out Halloween.
1: Oh, look at you! That was
0: dumb. Actually, might take that out. Anyways, no. no. <laughs> Anyways, it's our Halloween special, and if anyone remembers last time when we did Halloween, we did. Ghost stories, real ghost stories, not like fiction, but like reality. Yeah. And we're going to be doing something similar today. But first, in
1: our prelude, should we
0: talk about incubuses or sexism at
1: Lowe's? That's a good question. Maybe they're related. No, I don't think they are. (laughs) Well, if anyone has gone, we, we can probably sum up if anyone's gone to a home improvement store as and you are female and you have a, if you identify as female, or you identify yeah. as
0: having a vagina
1: or being female. Yeah. I think it's just crazy. Like I, I went to a Lowe's uh, I went to Lowe's is mine. Some people have Home Depot. Some people have Menards. Some people have whatever the fuck. I don't even know. I, I went to one the other day and I got hit on or harassed in a 15 minute period five times.
0: See, I jokingly told my husband, if I ever want a boost of self-confidence, I'll just head over to Lowe's where I will be sexually harassed or complimented, or I don't know which of the two it is somewhere in between, no matter what I'm wearing, I could be wearing a cute outfit. I could be wearing scrubs. I could be wearing pajamas. I could be wearing paint splattered crap clothes. Doesn't matter. It's just walking in there. You're, they're just like female.
1: Female. And then sometimes they'll watch you do something really hard that they should actually probably help you with that like a normal person would help you with. In fact, I went in there the other day and I was buying these two by 10s, which were about 16 feet long, which probably weigh about 70 or 80 pounds each. And you know, they're really awkward to get onto those stupid fucking carts and like, you know, doing stuff like that. And literally every single person, there were like five or six men who just watched me do it the whole time I was there. But then others like would help me with two by fours and like would help me, like would like get on the other end of a two by four. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, I just picked up the two by 10 by 16 on my own while nobody watched. And I came back and I told Luke and Luke was like, oh, people always come and help me. And I was like, right. Motherfuckers
0: yeah They're, they'll want to see pictures of my projects and stuff and I'm like are you asking everybody for pictures of their projects <laughs> are you
1: asking everybody I just don't think so I don't, I don't. know if
0: you really do want to see my garden or you just want some proximity to they, the wa- they want to
1: see your garden all right ah! <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of other things that want to see your garden, Speaking of things who want
0: to entangle themselves in your garden, I spoke a little bit about this when we did our episode on trauma bonds about the incubus. And the incubus is a character who gets you, I I don't know if the word is pussy whipped or dick whipped, dick addict. Um, The male version is the, you know, makes you addicted to their dick. And then the succubus is the opposite. And basically they are people who like know how to, weave and like get inside and under your skin they're like the human version of heroin or something but like in a sexual way and And a draining way yeah draining way one of the ways you can tell these people is they might have like a hold on you that makes no sense like you're just like like why am I at the mercy of this person like why am I emotionally obsessed with them or thinking of them and like doing things for them that I wouldn't do for anyone else kind of thing and then what you were going to notice, this is like the hallmark feature that our shaman told us is that they, when they're with their drug or getting their drug, which is human energy, they look great. They look supple. They look great. And then when they're not getting it, they look like fucking death. Like they have hollowed out eyes. They look completely different. Like they look like two different people. Like, but it's not like a drug addict or a meth addict who slowly over time, when you put the before and after photos, you slowly see a change. It's like, you can see them Monday, they look amazing. You can see him Tuesday and they look like a hollowed out vampire, right? You know what I'm talking about?
1: I do. I do. Yeah. So
0: I've actually dated a couple of these in my life. I I, I just like, I have a weakness for incubus men and I, I, I did the spell and I, and I believe I cut ties with that forevermore. However, I was telling Christina the other day that there is this actor. I'm not going to like say who the actor is because I don't want to, um, one, have his incubus come after me or two, insult the guy who is the host of this incubus. But there is a very popular HBO series on right now with an actor who clearly has an incubus in him. I went to Google Images and I like pulled up like multiple photos of him. You know how like in Google Images, it's like a collage. And I screenshotted it and said to Christina, I said, is this or isn't this proof of Incubus? And she was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, totally. Because it's like, he can be totally hot in one minute and then he looks like a fucking, the Grim Reaper the next. So just be careful when you're watching HBO or other series because if you find yourself intrigued by men who sometimes look amazing and sometimes look fucking scary, you might be underneath. Or you yeah. may be under the spell of an incubus. And I don't know of any like succubus versions of it because women wear makeup and they can hide it. But there's gotta be like a female version of the succubus. I mean, like a famous one that I just can't think of.
1: Yeah, when we're talking about kind of old magic energy, right? Like the kind of old demons or entity attachments that you can have, incubus and succubus, kind of go back to Mesopotamia and Sumeria, Right, where this is like this much older idea of a, you know, the kind of traditional view is that like you will have a dream of somebody having sex, like a, some sort of entity having sex with you. And in that dream, they're basically attaching onto you and they're basically pulling your life force as they do that. And it will like lead to the person who's being, you know, under the, who's under the influence of the incubus or succubus to have a deterioration in health impaired mental state. And then in most extreme cases, death so yeah it's
0: it's interesting because I actually know of an incubus at present like I know of someone who is an incubus and they're young but they constantly complain about aches and pains in their body as if they were really old and I believe it's because the incubus is sucking out the life energy of this person
1: right right but I can't
0: like just say that like oh by the way uh, I think I know why you're you feel like you're 80.
1: yeah can't say that yeah it's 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 a really it's a really interesting thing and it kind of leads and segues really well into kind of what we're going to be talking about at first here which is you know kind of what ends up happening this is kind of like a this is a storytelling experience but this is also like there's some education in this guys and it is our halloween episode and we are being like yes this stuff is real and we are also being like You know, but we're telling it to you under protected circumstances. We're telling you these stories in a way that like you are also protected by extension. So, you know, I want to say that first, because like one of the things with Incubus and Succubus is that like I don't know if anybody's done it in modern history, like modern criminal like in the in the criminal justice system in modern history. But like for a very long time, sexual assault was attributed to Incubi and Succubi. Right. To basically say that, like, if somebody did something to you in the middle of, you know, like in the middle of the night when everybody was asleep, they may have absolutely no memory of doing it to you. And that that was like attributed to that or forms of sleep paralysis as well, like where you basically can't see the entity, but like, you know, you're th- that's slightly different. But those are kind of different examples of like what we're seeing in these cases with entity attachments. So, so yeah. Yeah.
0: One more thing I want to add about the incubus is I think that they, I'm not sure about the succubus so much, but the incubus likes their victim to be immobile in the sense that they like them to be raped. It might come across as sexual assault, but when it's consensual, they like not making any eye contact during the actual act. Like they always finish the act in a position in which they're not making eye contact, right? Like the incubus gets off on turning their victim into just an energy source and not a human, if that makes sense. One way you might recognize an incubus is that they have fantasies or actually do perform acts on people who are asleep or unconscious.
1: That's so. really interesting. And and like you look at the history too and you can recognize that maybe the first mention of incubi and succubi are from Mesopotamia, but like I think every single folklore in the world has some aspect of something that is a nubile, young, beautiful looking thing that will then seduce them. There's versions of that. There's versions of, I mean, and you can think of this is also like probably a product of having a more monogamous culture that we have, which is like, hey, I need, I need an excuse to be like, hey, sorry, I, there was this nymph, and I swear I had no control over what happened to me at that time. There's like, there's one situation where they, they're Maybe,
0: talking... oh, go ahead, good I was gonna
1: say the Amazon, there's an Amazon river, the, the pink river dolphins in the Amazon are believed to apparently be a combination of siren and incubuses that can shape shift. And they're responsible for disappearances and unwanted pregnancies, which is like, you know, in a culture in which y- if you're not allowed to have a pregnancy out of wedlock, pink river dolphin.
0: Right. Well, I was thinking, you know, we're talking earlier about ectomorph, which is like when enough people believe in something, it actually becomes real. Like Santa Claus being one of those examples. Right. And egregore. Yeah. Egregore, not ectogore. Yeah. (laughs) Egregore. Well, maybe like incubus is the egregore that we've all created by being like, well, I'm not responsible for cheating on my spouse, or I'm not responsible (laughs) for that weird thing that happened. Like this thing seduced me. And then we just created this whole field of incubuses, succubuses that actually exist outside, because we've all like, used this energy scapegoat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a really interesting point. I think that your point is really interesting, because I think that that the egregore is kind of like the perfect example of, of entity attachment specific, like we're talking dark work, y'all like specific demonic entity attachment that happens right because of the fact that basically it takes two to tango in those relationships right like there's no like there's no examples i mean you could probably bring up so many examples and everyone would be like well what are the facts in this and things like that it's it's, it's obviously outside the realm of most <laughs> traditional science
0: we don't deal with facts on this spiritual fix
1: oh my god the point being that it is known can I just say it is known? Isn't that from from Harry? No, it is known Jon Snow. But so one of the things that you'll like, it's kind of known in shamanic circles. And this is something that Robbie's told us and that I found in my own experience is that that you actually need to be there's some part of you that is served by having an entity attachment. So in the case of what you're talking about, in which we have a lot of kind of puritanical cultures or we have a lot of like Catholicism all over the world that's like colonized all over the place in which out of marriage you know out of out of marriage relations are not necessarily allowed then it makes a lot of sense that like you can be like oh it's an incubus or a succubus but maybe it's actually just this egregore that's been created from this as a result of this puritanical culture and this monogamous culture that's just been pervasive all over the world for thousands of years. So, um, Right.
0: And just to keep in mind, and this is true not just of the incubus, but of all the ghosts and entity attachments, which we're going to discuss today, is that it is a marriage. And like a marriage, it is two corresponding opposites attract kind of things. So like, for example, in the incidence of an incubus or succubus, you know, you may find this person who is totally toxic and you shouldn't be with, but you just can't stop being addicted to them sexually because you yourself have excommunicated that part of you that allows yourself to be that way. And you can only express yourself freely in that way with this person. And as you integrate your whole self, you're going to be turned off less and less by that. And it's similar with, you know, ghosts or entity attachments. They don't just they don't just stick to anyone, right? They are perfect little keys for your keyhole. And that yeah. keyhole is the part of you that in some level has exiled itself or excommunicated itself from something. And that entity has gotten in from that part of you that is self-critical or, or you know what I'm trying to say?
1: I do, I know exactly. You say better than yeah. me
0: because I, I don't think I'm saying it right. <laughs> I
1: mean, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring out biology and I always think of it as like a protein, like proteins have binding sites, and those proteins have to be specifically molded in order to have this like perfect binding site and the combination of all of our environmental, you know, environmental things, our, our shadow that, that we've suppressed for a long time, our experiences in the world, our memories and the the kind of the affirmations and the negative affirmations that we keep telling ourselves all combined to make this, this kind of perfect binding site for something darker to come in and, you know we talk a ton about shadow work we occasionally mention dark work but you know one of the things that i'm going to tell you in the story here and that we're going to kind of tell you is like how to kind of maybe tell the difference between the two right like if you're like man i just keep doing this terrible thing and i know it's terrible and i've done so much work and yet i keep doing it or my energy's so low My inner, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm always have low energy, I'm so tired, I never do this, or I can't stop drinking all of a sudden, or any of these different things, you know, especially when you have kind of a more dramatic shift after something has happened. Those are really good indications that something is off, right, if you're doing something more than you've ever done it before because, and yet it's not like anything else has necessarily changed, like maybe you did have an event, but maybe it's just like been a slow accumulation over time. And your coping has been, you know, you've been doing a good job of coping, or you've, you've almost gotten out of coping habits, and all of a sudden, you're not. And that's kind of where we're going about this line between the shadow and the dark, right? Is that like, sometimes you do need a help to be able to remove that darkness so that you can kind of go back into the shadow realm. One of the things I didn't tell you all about my Joyce Anastasia reading, it's only like another one. I had another one. I had another one on Thursday because I really wanted to talk to her and um, it was really interesting because she was like, she was, you know, I I told her about how Robbie had said about the light in the dark and how like I've been targeted by the dark and how I needed to declare for the light. But she was like, in the next two to six months, you're going to have like a lot of you're gonna have to just be really intentional about when you go into the dark, right? And not just stumble into it unexpectedly, but like actually put up a boundary and be like, yes, I'm willing to do this work for somebody else or be like, nope, I'm not ready to do this yet, or nope, I'm not gonna do that at all, right? And so that's where I'm just like, I'm kind of in the moment I'm doing that same very thing, right, but she said it was just important to make that distinction right now. We're gonna get into the heart of the episode. All right guys, so the first story I'm gonna tell you is a bit of a longer story. And I, I say this story with permission, explicit permission of the person who it happened to, who's one of my one of my friends and clients. And mostly because of the fact that we both thought it would be very good for demonstrating that line between the shadow and the dark, right? We thought it would be a good learning opportunity And kind of as a result, I kind of want to, I'm going to give you guys kind of tips and tricks and things like that at the end of it to make sure that you know that, you know, when you get into these situations, you are not alone. There are resources for you, even if it's me or Robbie or Anna, you know, just send us an email and be like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. And sometimes, you know, we are equipped to get rid of our own darkness and sometimes we need help, but sometimes it just helps to know that you kind of have a resource available to you as we always talk about the the need to have support systems so so this person we had done a lot of work earlier in the year in kind of a healing capacity and they've been doing they've been doing an incredible job of kind of like finding that their life has almost completely done a 180 right like it's changed dramatically with all the work that they've been doing really actually seeing the results in the world as that happened, and What we found is that basically there was a lot of change that was going on in this person's life. You know, They were kind of really in the process of transitioning to their new life. And then lo and behold, they get caught in Hurricane Ian, and I believe they were in the eye of the hurricane for almost 10 hours, something along those lines. So it was a dramatic barometric pressure physiological effect of having to be in the middle of the eye of a hurricane. For that long or to be even not necessary even if you weren't directly in the eye but kind of in the 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 stronger winds that obviously surround the eye things along those lines so what ended up happening was that they found obviously they were in the middle of devastation when they came out of that and they were finding that they were having a very very difficult time with coping with the destruction as well as kind of all of the tumult that happens as a result of living in you know in in a in a disaster zone basically and what they were finding was that they were drinking excessively right so this is an example of one of those things I was talking about one of those kind of key signs where they had never used drinking as a coping mechanism before they had never had an issue with drinking nothing of the sort and all of a sudden they found that they could not stay sober that they were needing to be they were needing to drink 24 7 every single time that they were awake and,
0: and didn't she say also that she had no effect like she was not even getting drunk she was she just was, drinking
1: she wasn't getting drunk and she had no she had no hangover I, she may have been getting drunk but she wasn't having a hangover so it was almost Oh, like she, she i
0: remember she said it had no effect on her but she couldn't stop drinking it i thought right. that's
1: what she said right well something along the lines of something that does not make any sense to drink the amount that they were drinking and not actually having an effect as a, as a result of it And then they were also having what we know the kind of telltale emotional void that happens as a result of these entity attachments, because what happens is, is you start to get in a place and this, this is the same for haunted houses, but you start to get into a place where as soon as you feel bad, or as soon as you fall into one of those like mind things where you're like. Oh my god i'm not acting the way that i should act or i'm i'm you know and and this is especially to people who've like have ptsd or have had lots of trauma in their life like you know they're used to behaving and masking so much especially like i would say neurodivergent people as well they're used to masking so much that like if the mask slips then they they start to have those those internalized voices that are like oh my god everyone's gonna hate me Because I can't keep my mask up like I'm too exhausted or I'm too distracted or whatever's happening so that you can't keep up the kind of facade that you've had to keep up for so long to make sure that like. You know you're doing you know you're you're fulfilling your responsibility to your family and your partners and your community and all that kind of stuff like when you're experiencing that kind of thing. Like that can be one of the voids that you fall into where you're just like the self hatred and the self criticism becomes this spiral and it feels like there's no bottom. It's not like your your mind naturally wants to go out of it. It just feels all encompassing and so so deep and it just keeps getting worse and worse and it keeps escalating and escalating and escalating in your mind as to how bad the things can be and that's when the kind of that's when you may even experience things like suicidal ideation because it keeps just trying to escalate. These thoughts just escalate as if they have a life of their own because they do. So, I was in somewhat of a strange situation in this, because I could tell that I, when I basically tried to go in and do clearings, I could tell that I couldn't do clearings. The area itself around Hurricane Ian was so tumultuous and the field was so saturated with trauma and loss that it was incredibly difficult for me to go into that space and kind of pluck out this one thing that was going on, especially because it was very intense. Is
0: is this remotely or when you're
1: actually when I was when I was remote when I was remote and they were down there. So I invited them to come up because they you know, I I invited this person to come up and stay in my RV on my retreat up here. And they came up. And it was really interesting because I was really busy that week because I was getting ready for my retreat that I was having the following weekend. And you know, i could tell that there was something going on and i could tell that like every time that i was around and every time that anybody else was around she basically had to go she just couldn't even be kind of around people who were just around people who were doing different things or you could say people who could recognize what was going on so she was just kind of piecing out the entire day the whole first day she was there it was the next night when she had been here for you know basically a whole night and then a day when my dog was gone and i needed to get him at the end of the day he has he my dog has the run of the 60 acres and he will sometimes he will sometimes do stuff but if there's anybody staying at the top he will usually go up there and like protect them and do like border border circling and things like that and so it was so funny because it was like 9 30 10 at night i was so tired i had already said i wasn't gonna go up there because i was really tired And my husband looks at me and he's like, who's going to go get him? And I was like, I'm going to go get him because I knew, I knew (laughs) that it was not going to just be, I'm going to go get my dog and come back down and go to sleep. So I went up to the top and it was so fascinating because in a lot of ways I felt, I felt that I was almost the unconscious facilitator of an exorcism that lasted about two hours after that it was unconscious at first and then it was much more conscious it was you know at first i went up there and she was having a really they were we were all sitting around the fire and she was having a really hard time and she was kind of just talking about the the difficulties that she was having and and that same she was describing that emotional void that i was talking about that that kind of escalation that keeps happening with the internal thoughts and it's like, you literally think that there's nothing that is redeemable in you. Not an ounce of your body is redeemable, not an ounce of your soul. like, you don't understand why people love you. You don't understand anything along those lines. Those are like, and, and you feel hopeless. You feel utterly hopeless. Like those are all things that are going on. So as she's sitting here talking to me about this in more detail, you know, I'm realizing quickly what's happening and that something needs to happen. But at the same time, I kept telling her stories. I was telling her stories and I was kind of like testing out to see if those stories were going to have any effect, right? If they were going to touch anything or if she was gonna kind of just keep rebounding back to that emotional void state, right? And so it kept happening, kept, kept doing it over and over and over again. And finally, I was like, okay, I have to get up and do something. I'm gonna try something. So first thing I do is I go and I stand behind her and I put my hands on her shoulders and I start to chant light language to her. And that's when things started to get, <laughs> because there was another person there who was witnessing this whole thing. And all three of us started to hear another voice coming in louder than her partner.
0: You and her had a shared parent or shared hallucination, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. We, we basically could all hear. A male but it voice wasn't, yeah. we could all hear a male voice basically chanting over my light language and this person the person who was like receiving the light language could hear it as if it was right in her ear like they like basically it was was saying something right in her ear so that she couldn't hear the light language that i was speaking and the the smoke started to just like billow towards us like the flames went out the smoke started to billow for us it was like you know, everything atmospheric that you could imagine for something that could be different. And so, as soon as I had put my, my hands on her shoulder, it became apparent to both of us exactly the what the entity looked like and exactly what it was in the sense that it was a, a somewhat trickster spirit that had a very specific, I'm not gonna say anything specific about it besides the fact that it was very trickster and it had this kind of smirk that would come out and it would keep taunting me the entire time and being like, you can't get rid of me you can't get rid of me. Like I'm too deeply embedded in this person. You can't get rid of me. So I kind of, I kept escalating my tactics, right? So we did, you know, I did light language for a while and then I started to, to kind of cut away the tethers and the ties and that made it so that the next time she talked, her voice was starting to come back, right? Because her voice wasn't like her voice at all prior to this, but you couldn't almost, it's, it was almost as if you couldn't tell until you heard her actual voice start to come out like her real her real voice so we moved because we couldn't breathe because the smoke was just like billowing in our faces and we ended up moving to like a picnic bench that was like five or six feet away from there and that's when I started to like go into high gear of like okay this is an entity attachment that I really have to get rid of she was seeing she was basically seeing like this, this this entity was, was in her field. She has psychic abilities too. So she was seeing this in her field. It was laughing. It was basically saying, you can't catch me. It was doing things like that. And that's when she got an image of Demeter, who's the mother of Persephone, who is something, a, a person that she has connection to a, a goddess that she has connection to in a field. And she's like, should I go towards this, this. this goddess and i was like yes go towards that goddess right now like in your field because this is it's getting gnarly back here and so i was basically doing everything that i could to sever the connection and to try and bind and to take this away and she she said that at one point she was sitting in the underworld and she was like this is okay right And she was, she was with Persephone and Persephone was like, yeah, this is okay. Like in a, in a way that was like, we're going to be okay here for a second, but it's gnarly out there. Like, don't go outside sort of thing, right? Like just stay here, concentrating on this thing right here. And we're going to do the rest of it. So it got really bad. And eventually I handed her a knife, not a real knife, but a, basically a psychic knife. And she had to get rid of, she had to basically get rid of the last of it because it would always move. Like I could get some stuff, but I couldn't actually do death blows to it. Or I couldn't do like detachment blows is what I would call them because it would keep moving all the time. So she was the one who actually needed to do it. And she was able to finally clear it. And, and well, both of us were able to finally clear it. And it was so radical the change that happened afterwards like it was just so radical her voice like i said her voice totally came back and her partner who like hadn't necessarily seen anything like most people haven't really seen something like that before but you know they had i mean because it was complete with all of the twitching all of the things like the voice coming in differently occasionally like all of that was present in the situation and you know and, and and her partner was like oh my god you're so completely different she's like, and she said later, she's like, if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that it was, I wouldn't have believed it. If I hadn't seen the stark difference between when you started and when you finished, I would never have believed it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So the reason that that's, you know, I want to tell that story is because it, it really, there's a couple of really key things about possession that are important to say. For one thing, There's a lot to be said for the fact that like, you know, you know, everyone says like, oh, if you believe in curses, like I think, I think in Haitian, in Haitian witchcraft. So like in different types of voodoo and things like that, you know, there's a lot of belief that if you believe in the curse and you believe that it's going to be effective, then it's obviously going to be more effective. Right. So there's a certain level of protection that some people who don't believe in this have, but that does not mean that they are not completely able to be. To, to, to have these attachments
0: did I ever tell you the story about the the guy at the hospital did I tell that story on the air which one so I'm going through this guy's medical records because like I was a student and I was required to like go in depth like go into like research mode depth on everyone's medical chart before seeing them now now you know you just look at the prevalent diagnosis but I go through and it was like 20 years of all this crazy shit that kept happening to his penis like like I can't even remember. Cause it was like a one in a million thing that happened. Like, like 20, 21 in a million things happened to this guy's dick. It was like some strange infection. And then some, none of them were like STDs by the way. But, and then it was like, this happened. And then this happened. I can't even remember what it was, but it was just like weird stuff kept happening to his dick. And I was like, I bet the dude is Haitian because I was thinking voodoo. Like as soon as I started reading the the chart, I was like, he's been cursed or he thinks he's been cursed. And sure enough, we go in his room and he has an accent. I'm like, oh, where are you from? He's like, Haiti.
1: Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that story before. That's really cool. And also, you know, and also interesting. Also disturbing.
0: But yeah. I I was was going to say, I was like, that's actually
1: disturbing. Yeah. I
0: was like, this man has either been cursed or he believes he's cursed because there's just too much weird shit happening to his dick.
1: Yeah, Yep. Yeah. So that's... Okay, so so a couple of important things to remember. And I'll kind of reiterate the things I said at the beginning. If you feel as if you are doing things and having coping mechanisms that you never previously had, there's a very... There, there's a chance that there's something going on. Oftentimes you will have dreams of being in a haunted house you will have dreams of having something else, something scary happening in your environment but not necessarily to you it doesn't have to be like i'm being chased by the woods through through, excuse me i'm being chased by the woods the trees are chasing me no um that you're being chased through the woods by something but oftentimes if you're just dreaming of a haunted house or you're seeing that there are ghosts or something that you need to get rid of those are usually really good indications that there's something that's attached to you and obviously in the past we've talked about the different types of attachments there are kind of smaller entity attachments, which are just kind of, you know, they're almost like parasites that you just kind of have to like knock off really easily. And then there's kind of more deeply demonic. There's like demonic that you can feed and you're able to kind of, you know, get rid of them in that way and recognize that they're actually an ally. That's more of a shadow work process. And then there's like this hardcore demon stuff. And I wish that there was a different name for it than demon and demon, but you know, yeah, go ahead
0: i was gonna say also dreams of being in a haunted place or being haunted or even more specifically being sexually assaulted by a ghost like any of those kind of dreams are huge indicators
1: right right anytime anytime that you feel like you're not yourself if people are saying you're not yourself they don't sound you're you do not sound like yourself that there's kind of that you're acting in ways that you haven't acted before that you're making decisions that you normally wouldn't, that you're more irritable than you normally are. And I'm talking really more irritable than you normally are, right? If your negative self-talk reaches that emotional void state where you're just like, oh my God, I, I feel so bad about the world. And like, maybe you're getting panic attacks frequently. Those are all indications that I have seen that people are actually in a, in a state where they have an entity attachment that has overwhelmed them because some people can have entity attachments for a very long time and they lie dormant and they kind of just act as a part almost in their in, in like the balance of everything but then when something traumatic happens it awakens them and they come out and they become active and so a lot of the times it may be that you didn't you didn't you know recently get it it's actually been there the whole time so it's just been on a low burn and then all of a sudden someone turns up the bo- the burner and it just starts bo- boiling over
0: right or like in the case of the hurricane or geological situations phenomena that happen the magnetism or or certain things in the air can shift you know barometric pressure yes pi- what's it called piezoelectric changes like certain changes might shift and boom, it's like a tuning fork. It pulls it up to the surface.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's been interesting because I've done I've done a couple of exercise exercises. That's probably true too. I've only done a couple of exercises and a couple of exorcisms in my life, and I'm becoming better at recognizing them, even as someone who removes them, right? And you know, a lot of them. I mean. Rarely have has one been as dramatic as this one, and I'm not sure if that really came through in the telling as well. In the sense that it was in person, it was under an almost full moon. It was, you know, it was outside. There were there was fire that could happen. There was, you know, it was it was like it had all of the the you know movie almost the movie esque characteristics of it where a lot of the times the clearings that I do of demons either I'm able to feed them or I'm able to just get rid of them and that's the experience that I've learned from my teachers as well I have a i have a teacher who carries around a real knife so that he can actually just like poke the entities off the people and kind of like you know get them off and maybe kill them even but it's a very interesting thing I know right I
0: will not want to kill them
1: no exactly well I was just gonna say that right is that like we're I'm not telling you guys this so that you can go off and do it on your own. You really need a teacher because I've had teachers who kill entities and I've never felt that that was the right thing to do because you don't want to get involved in their, their, I I just don't believe in that. I don't believe that that's a beneficial practice. Robbie is of the same agreement in that she says like, don't kill them, just send them off, like send them away. So yeah. So those are some of the key signs. If you go through a situation where you, are in an exorcism by chance or you feel as if you've rid yourself of something that was really dark either by someone else doing it or you you're able to do it with yourself somehow and sometimes you can't so like i you know i remember a story of luke my husband he always tells the story of like waking up when he was right around the time that he was deciding to be sober waking up and basically having this entity, and I'm not gonna tell the story correctly. He's gonna listen to this and be like, you told that all wrong. But my, the way I always picture it is that like, basically he was being held down by this entity that was like effectively the entity of alcoholism that was holding him down. And like, he had to overcome it. He had to like physically overcome this entity in order to be able to be sober. And now he's been sober for, you know, 14 years. And, and so in some ways he did his own exorcism, but once you get it done, it's really important that you, if you're tempted to go back to the coping mechanism, like drinking or smoking or doing anything like that, try and stay as sober as possible in those situations. Try and recognize that there are a lot of parts within you who were friends with that entity or who that entity served. Right. So when we say that these entities serve us in some ways, there are going to be some parts who are going to be pissed off that this, that this thing has left. And so you may become really irritable and and irrational in other ways that is not actually the entity. It's just the byproduct of having those parts be pissed off or scared that something's going to happen because that entity is gone. Right. So that's, again, that's part of the marriage, right? It's like, You have kids, right? You have parts who are kids who are going to be pissed off that you got divorced from this thing, even if it was a totally abusive relationship and a parasitic relationship. So that's a really important thing to remember too. And and then also, you know, I always say, bath Epsom salts, baking soda, as much self care as you can, and that may not be like. Painting your nails that may just be reading a good book and really getting into a story that feels uplifting or feels like it's some place that you can kind of rest for a moment. So, those are those are kind of my my key tips there.
0: And you might not close the circuitry the first time, like it might come back a few more times. So, I like to say, you know, when you get rid of one of these things, be very vigilant for a few weeks after that it hasn't come back and stuck back on you. Just like a really, you know, what do we say in that that episode about? what do we say in that episode about abusers? Like it takes seven times on average to leave your abuser. Yeah. You know, like you are, you could be addicted on some level to this attachment to this entity. You've lived with it your whole life, maybe lifetimes. And it might take some re- repetitive removal or vigilance that it doesn't come back.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it, and it's the relationships we have, they're all kind of crazy in how they work. Anna, do you want, you were talking earlier about geological and, piezoelectric and things along those lines. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you were looking at with geology in haunted spaces?
0: Yeah. Like, so when I had my entity attachment, I had like, I've had like two true attachments. One, I share that story in last year's Halloween bonus. Then the other one happened, which eventually I'll tell that story. There's not really time for it today, but I was in essence visited, not by like a demon or a negative entity, but by an angel that serves the truth. So just to clarify, Archangel Michael serves the light, like you will run into angels that serve the light and you will run into angels that serve the truth. And this angel served the truth, but wasn't necessarily concerned with disrupting things or like he wasn't deserving the light. I I can't explain, but it it caused a lot of problems. Well, because he was true, you know, like like an honest kid who goes into a party who's like just fucking honest and just says everything, you know, like that level of honesty cut like a dagger, very enlightening in a lot of ways, but very destructive. So I was I was basically visited by one of those. And anyways, during that whole phase which I'll tell the story another day. I used the opportunity, by the way, to ask a thousand and one questions. And one of the things he told me is that haunted spaces often occur on fault lines. So if you're looking at like a map where, there's been, where there are fault lines or earthquakes, that there's gonna be more haunted spaces because the entities rise up from the core of the earth, that there is some sort of portal in the, core, the earth's core and it can pull them up to the surface through the fault lines. Okay, that's something he told me. All right now completely independent of that i decided that i wanted to research something for this episode and i was gonna do the rio grande because i'm from new mexico and there's a lot of hauntings along the rio grande because a lot of immigrants who are trying to get into the u.s die in it we also have the story of la llorona which is the woman who either drowned her children or had her children die in the river by accident and she roams the riverbanks looking for her children and she might pull your kids in or you as a kid if you're not careful it's a story we tell children in New Mexico. I'm sure they tell it in lots of Latin American areas to kind of protect children from the river, but friends of mine have seen her. Anyways, all that aside, I'm giving a lot of information. I decided I wanted to look into this whole geology idea of the fault lines, right? And bum, bum, boom. sure enough, there is a lot of correlation between geology and fault lines and all sorts of stuff in relationships to haunted places. So I read an article and it was called the 10 most haunted cities in America. And, and these 10 most haunted cities line up with fault lines. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that a fault line isn't obvious, like a Canyon is obvious, but sometimes these fault lines occur under this, under the earth. And like, you don't see them where like a Canyon, you see a a clear cut, like a clear drop. But a lot of times these fault lines are occurring underneath the earth and we're not even aware that they're happening. So I'm just going to give a couple examples of some haunted places. But before I go into that I want to say that I was also looking at the website Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomenon. It's a paranormal education and research society and they've also looked at geology and its relationship with paranormal activity and they have a couple different theories about it. One is tectonic strain theory. And that is that when, when things happen under the surface of the earth, it causes electromagnetic disturbances through piezoelectricity in surface rocks. It's a phenomenon where certain crystals, notably quartz, produce an electric charge across opposite crystal faces when they are under pressure or strain. So it is hypothesized that electrical and magnetic fields produced by rock strain are most likely to happen near geological faults. The idea is that because of these changes underneath the surface and the pressure being put on these quartz and other objects that magnetic changes happen so they in essence like draw up the ghosts right another idea is radon gas which is that when there are rocks below the ground shifting radon which is one of the main producers of air ions might change and be released and it's heavier than air and we breathe it so we might be more likely to like see things that aren't there okay there's there's those other
1: theories that's interesting i would i would also add to that list ge- geopathic stress which is I don't know if I've actually talked about them in the past but they are a they're basically pressurized water veins in the environment and they cause visible changes on the surface depending on where you are so geopathic stress lines are there's I could go I could go really far into depth of them but I'll just give you a couple of examples that if you can find a geopathic stress line in a city because there'll be cracks in the sidewalk basically on either side of where these line, these water courses go through these veins go through and like a part of a building will be like lower and there will almost always be graffiti in the middle of geopathic stress line in the country or in places where there are trees it's usually lines of forked trees are along the lines of these things if you have flax around you'll see a lot of flax so one of the things that you know kind of it, it aligned with the fact that you're more likely to see graffiti in these, inside these geopathic stress lines, and you're also more likely to, if you sleep on one, you're actually more susceptible to cancer and things like that, but um, that they're more susceptible to hauntings as well, because there's something about the, effectively the the radiation of a polarized substance, which is water, water has a charge, and therefore it moving at high pressures through the environment below you, it it forms a sort of radiation that can make it more susceptible to hauntings on the surface. So. That's another example.
0: Yes. Well, in this article, it talks about fault lines and rivers as being like two hallmark features that are associated with paranormal activity. So here are some of the most haunted cities in America and their corresponding geological anomalies. So in Portland, Oregon, It's situated over the Columbia River, and it has many fault lines. These are the two criteria that make it perfect haunting ground. They say that in the Shanghai tunnels are tunnels that are beneath the buildings and streets of Portland. In the 1800s, they were used to kidnap and smuggle people for trafficking and would send people to Asia as slaves and prostitutes. So there are a lot of people who report paranormal experiences, especially in locations of like old brothels and hotels in these areas in Portland. Another one is San Francisco, which like Portland has fault lines and water working in its favor for ghosts. We have a lot of incidences of haunted places in San Francisco, like like Alcatraz, the Queen Anne Hotel, the Golden Gate Bridge, as well as the Cameron House in Chinatown, which used to be a hiding place for immigrants that would escape police brutality. And it was burned down with lots of people in it. So people report a lot of ghost stories in those areas which i'm sure you can find all over netflix wherever you (laughs) like to binge on ghost stories i haven't actually ever watched a series on ghosts but i really should i'm sure i will love it yes All right. Coming in at number eight is Chicago. Chicago was where gangsters and Confederate soldiers once roamed, and it also has several fault lines, including Lake Michigan, which again, body of water, make it a perfect place for paranormal experiences. Some people say that you can hear screams from the Clark Street Bridge, where the mafia often threw bodies. And the Clark Street Bar that Al Capone once frequented, there was a former warehouse where the Valentine's Day Massacre took place. And it's also a place where 6,000 Confederate soldiers were buried. Wow. Number seven is Charleston, South Carolina. Of course, it has that Southern history of the Civil War, pirates, and voodoo's, and apparently ghosts never want to leave. It also has fault
1: lines. I've been to, on a ghost hunt in South, not a ghost hunt, a... Ghost tour? Ghost tour in Charleston, Yes.
0: Yeah. Ghost tour. Yes. They have ghost tours in Charleston and it is, you know, home to plantations and all that kind of ghost work as well as civil war sites. St. Augustine, Florida, number six is the nation's oldest city. And it has a long history of being haunted. And when geologist says it might be because they has a lot, it has a lot of limestone, which is porous, which lets in a lot of water. So it has like a different geological structure than other cities number five is san antonio texas it is one of the oldest cities in the u.s as well and there have been stories of hauntings forever there there is a river walk again you have the flowing river and you have the history of the battle of
1: the at the alamo number four no surprise is new orleans well because i would just think because it's by the delta right it's got all the water and it's just and and you can't bury anything underground right it also has so a lot water. of
0: limestone in its geography which is okay. a a carrier of water and lots of slavery torture murder voodoo has taken place there and there are just go stories in new orleans number three is salem
1: massachusetts we've all heard of the salem witch trials that's surprising to me that's really surprising to me i wonder if that's but maybe maybe it is maybe there is a lot of hauntings but well they say that
0: the 19 quote unquote witches who were put to death for their alleged crimes still haunt the gallow hills
1: okay Okay, and it's also the site of Hocus Pocus, the movie, (laughs) one and two, two being not a very good one, at all.
0: And then number number two is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and if you've been there, it sure is creepy. It's creepy
1: as fuck.
0: Yeah, and the this is the most massive Civil War battlefield that resulted in fifty one thousand deaths, and it is thought to have a lot of paranormal energy there. People report all sorts of things like elevators moving by themselves, et cetera.
1: What's the and geological? The,
0: and then geologically speaking, that Gettysburg had a lot of tectonic plate movements 200 million years ago. Okay. And it has a lot of granite in the soil. Yep. Okay. And then moving along to number one, can you guess what's the most haunted city in the United States?
1: I would say New York.
0: Savannah, Georgia.
1: Oh, shit. There you go. I'm going there tonight.
0: The American Institute of Parapsychology gets the most reports about Savannah, Georgia. It has a perfect combination of deep history and a lot of underground water.
1: Right. So, you, it, so there's a, the, it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of the ones on this list are obviously some of the oldest cities in America. So they've had more human strife and turmoil, which is more likely to cause hauntings because people who pass gently and in a way that is more intentional, they are less likely to haunt a space, right? Like there's, there's the, I feel like there's like a, a mixture, a cocktail that makes it so that a place is more likely to be, that is more likely to be haunted. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, if enough time passes, then you're going to have somebody who has a very strong emotional experience that then becomes imprinted on the place and therefore they could be imprinted on the place right or if they're dying suddenly or they're dying you know dying in a way that they don't want or they're reluctant to die in any way shape or form then they're more likely to haunt a space and therefore the longer and the more that happens over time it effectively adds like it's like a snowball Right. It's like once, once that energy gets established in that place, then that energy then affects other people who are living there, which is where you get this really interesting phenomenon of, you know, I always ask that question whenever I find out that I'm living in a haunted house, it's always because like, if I'm staying or living in a haunted house, it's always because of the fact that I'm like, I feel so terrible and all this terrible stuff keeps happening. And you're just like, okay, which causes, which is it because I'm feeling terrible? that terrible stuff happens or is terrible stuff happening and then i'm feeling terrible and then i just happen to notice it right and that's kind of the point is that like when you're in these spaces they're effectively energy vacuums like they're they're basically and i don't mean vacuum as in like void i mean like sucking energy spaces and they're like feeding they're like smorgasbords for for entities to want to basically drain human energy like live human energy And you can get into really bad spaces when you're in haunted houses and find it really, really hard to get back to a normal state. And you will feel that emotional void I was talking about with possession, even if you are not directly possessed while you're living in a haunted house or in a haunted town or anything along those lines. Yeah. I can, you know, I remember the story. I kind of briefly mentioned it when I had COVID last year when I was staying in England and I had to jump around to all these Airbnbs. And the first one I stayed in was brand new. It was awesome. It was like, nothing felt bad at all. The second one was okay. We weren't really there long enough, so it was okay. But the third one was so bad. The third one was just like, I can't even, I cannot even mention, like it was already a weird circumstance in which I was there. It was already like I, you know, we basically had to stay there for five or six days in order to be able to like for five or six days in order to be able to like wait for our flight to leave and it was at that time that and it was also underground like this was a it was an apartment that was like underground it only had one window or like basically a couple of windows and there were no real windows out and every night i would go to sleep and i would have nightmares like you would not believe and i would wake up And I would feel so sick, like I was having, I had COVID, but I also felt emotionally so sick and I felt so terrible and I felt like completely hopeless and like there was nothing left in the world. When I had been there for two or three nights and I was just like, I was just, I couldn't even handle it anymore. I would have to just like go and leave and just like walk even though I wasn't even allowed to to leave the house because I was supposed to be quarantining that I I wrote one of my teachers and I was like, "Hey, can you figure out what's going on with me?" and he was like, "I do not know why you didn't t- talk to me earlier. Your house is completely filled. He calls them spooks. Your house is completely filled with spirits. Like, I've cleared them all out. You should feel a lot better." And it was literally like that. It was like all the panic attacks, all the all the hopelessness, all the nightmares went away immediately. And I felt so much better within hours of him doing that clearing.
0: So the moral of the story is it's not mental illness. It's fault lines.
1: Yeah, it's dark stuff. No. Yeah. It's one of those things that's really important to recognize that if, if something feels weird, if it feels off, if it feels different than the way you normally react to something, and it feels like you have no control, Like that's the time when you're gonna look at this stuff, guys. And you're gonna be like, I don't really quite understand what's going on right now, but I think that there's something worse going on. So, yeah. So anyways, (laughs) we hope you enjoyed our Halloween episode. In some ways I was sad that we haven't had a lot more dramatic Halloween things happen in the last year, but there have been some, and hopefully you guys learned some things but they are not anxiety producing because ultimately the most important thing to remember in all of these cases is that you in your light and all the work that you do, even if you have shadow, are more powerful than any of these entities. And the more you believe that and the more that you are embodied in that, you become basically what, you know, you become what Robbie says is you're untouchable. Because the more we all kind of fill ourselves with self-love, the more that that these, you know, these binding sites are no longer there. And if you're in the process of working towards that, even if you haven't quite, you know, even if you haven't quite gotten it all, would none of us have gotten it all? Just remember, I love myself and I'm worthy of love and I'm worthy of being loved whenever you feel like that. And that's one of the surefire ways to kind of make it so that you're not a target for these things. And even if you are, it's okay. We love you anyway. (laughs) Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of This Spiritual Fix. We are back next week with the first episode of Season 5. Stay tuned. And be sure to let us know if you have any feedback by sending us an email at this.spiritual.fix at gmail.com. Hello, TSF family, it's Christina here. In our journey of self-discovery, Anna and I have explored numerous tools and processes just as many of you have during this TSF journey with us. The community of beautiful souls we've connected with both energetically and in reality is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for being a part of it. Now, I invite you to join me this fall in 2023 for my Zoom course, Redeeming Your Inner Villain Transformation Circle. Over the past year, I've channeled and undergone a transformational journey in redeeming my inner villainy, which I'll talk about later this season. But we'll be shifting in this course, our perspective to recognize our role in villainizing the aspects of ourselves that perpetuate the drama triangle, both internally and externally. This process has enabled me to unravel and love parts of myself that once villainized my neurodivergence, my maladaptive behaviors, among other things. Embark on this journey of self love with me. I'm currently offering free 30 minute exploration calls for those interested in this opportunity or who just want to catch up, visit www.chriswilsey.com and click begin my quest to schedule your call. And remember our TSF family receives a special 10% discount on this course. When you choose to sign up, join me in redeeming your inner villain and embracing self love like never before don't miss this chance to transform your perspective and your life visit www.chriswiltsy.com today thanks y'all let me tell y'all a riddle there are four girls and four apples in a basket every girl takes an apple yet one apple remains in the basket how is this possible the answer one girl took the basket she took the last apple while it was in the basket Book a free call with me at wwwchriswiltycom forward slash discover.